Hello there, and welcome to Potshot, Arsenal Women's Edition. I'm your host, Will. Listener, it's late October, the evenings are getting longer, and spooky season's approaching. But don't worry about me, because I have not one, but two very special people to keep me company this episode. In the spirit of Halloween, listener, I'll let you decide which is trick and which is treat. First of all, as always, I'm joined by Sebastian Hund. Seb, how are you? I'm all right. How are you? I mean, chuffed after a big win and a relegation six point is always going to keep the mood up. But otherwise, how are you? <laughs> I am. I'm doing well, thank you. In fact, more than that, I am excited because we have our first ever guest on the women's pod, Max Radwan. Max, how are you? I'm very good. Thank you for having me on. And uh, yeah, honoured to be the very first guest. Well, yeah, hey, you should be. And in fact, a little bit of potshot trivia here that not many people will know. The first ever guest on the men's channel was none other than yours truly. That's right, listener. If you go deep into the archives, I was on episode one. So very high standards you have to live up to, Max. No pressure. It's all coming full circle. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, that means that one day next season, Max will be hosting his own pot shot pod. I feel a little bit like um, Unai Emery here having to, with that, that, uh, <laughs> that act to follow. Hopefully it's a bit more Mikel Arteta than, than, than Unai. <laughs> Let's see. Yes. Um, and also exciting, it's our first ever pot shot question on the women's side of the podcast. I know Seb in particular has been really looking forward to this. So Seb, I'll put this to you first. Which would you rather fight? Six ducks, we're talking garden variety mallard ducks, or one bear, specifically a polar bear that has been shrunk to the size of a duck. Which would you rather fight? So the ducks are still duck-sized. Or are they? Yes, they're, they're not bear sized. They're duck sized. Okay, uh, no, they're they're duck sized. I mean, I'm, I'm, I think I'll still go for the ducks. I, I think they're an easier target than just. Th there's too much maneuverability in the bear. The ducks are more vulnerable, I think, to to the maneuverability of a human body. So I, I think I'm gonna stick with the six ducks. Yeah. How about how about you, Max? Um. Well, I guess for the sake of variety, I'm going to have to go with the bear, aren't I? The, the duck-sized bear. Um, I, to be honest, I think I'd rather take on the ducks as well. But I suppose, uh, I suppose the bear would be a more a more interesting challenge. So, yeah, probably you know lower chance of survival rate, but it, it, you know it might be more more fun, you know, in the process. Yeah. <laughs> more fun, yeah. No, not, I mean, yeah, it's... fun, fun. Yeah, maybe not the right right word, but. It was uh I was I was trying to I was trying to find the balance when coming up with that question. Like where at what point do the ducks reach like a critical mass is I guess the question I was trying to I was trying to answer myself. I'm not sure. Originally I had three ducks, but that was way too low. Uh that yeah. age old question of when ducks reach mass. <laughs> yes, that's what that's what the listeners are here for. But if for some reason you're still interested, listener, then we'll move on to the football. And what a fortnight, approximately, it has been. Arsenal have two wins on the board. First of all, Arsenal faced Aston Villa at the Emirates in a game that felt eerily similar to the season opener against Liverpool. Arsenal controlled territory and created danger before Mayumi Pacheco put the visitors ahead from a corner the climax of their first real attacking sequence of the game. What followed was an onslaught of Arsenal pressure, with the closing period specifically yielding nearly 20 shots. Unlike the Liverpool game, Arsenal were able to capitalise here. A powerful McCabe hit drew the game level before the returning Beth Mead set up a 94th minute winner for Alessia Russo. A week later, the test was Bristol City away, and things looked bright with McCabe once again providing the opener with a signature belter. In what proved to be their first and only shot of the game, Rachel Furness's header looked to spoil Arsenal's plans. But McCabe had another answer in her, scoring the winner in the aftermath of a corner. 
The game's highlight came later, though, when Fifiana Miedemar made her return, almost setting up a Beth Mead goal in the final moments of the game. That recap lovingly written by Seb. Uh, That was very well written, Seb. Well done. Thank you. So, all in all, two games with, with some positives to draw from them, but also loads of tactical talking points, which is good because that's kind of what we do. Uh, the first of those was the return to the back four. Seb, this is something we spoke about on our previous podcast about Jonas's use of sometimes a four, sometimes a, sometimes a five. And the conclusion we came to was that this season it felt like the five was introduced more kind of because of injuries than for tactical reasons. Uh, and well, I guess we were proven right because he went back to the four in these games, which I think is always to be expected against Aston Villa and Bristol City. Uh, no disrespect to them. Uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on the change back to the four? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think largely expected. Uh, we, we started with the three against uh, Liverpool, largely A through the uh, merits injury and simply just trying to get as many uh, people forward as possible into attacking uh, areas, which then caused problems with with trying to find an adequate build up shape when when building up deep, which Liverpool exploited. So coming back here to to familiar surroundings was expected and definitely did yield a better structure when when building out and gaining territory. Definitely yes. Um... One of the players we wanted to speak about in a little more detail is Lotta Ruben Moy. As we mentioned in our in our previous episode, there are a number of different options Jonas Eideval has for how he sets up the defense, even with uh, Leah Williamson out. Um, but Lotta Ruben Moy is a player who caught our eye. And she's been, I think she's been the most consistent centre-back uh, in the team so far this season. Um, Max, what are your thoughts on Lotta's performances recently? Yeah, I'd agree with you in terms of um, the point of consistency. I mean, um, obviously we've, in in these four games, used four different centre-backs. She's played three of them uh, for those games. And um, yeah, I think in the last couple of games, when we have gone to a back four and you've seen us sort of try and play a higher line, I guess, to, to dominate more and have more control in the opposition's final third. I think she's shown she's been quite well suited to that, um, particularly in, in the Villa game. Um, did a really good job on, on basically man-marking Rachel Daly um, and just sort of, I mean, I was there at the Emirates that day and, like, honestly, you could, if someone had told me Daly wasn't playing, I would have believed them because she couldn't really get any change out of Lotter at all. So yeah, I'd agree. I think she's um, she has played well. I mean, defensively, it's been a bit of an odd one this season because obviously um, haven't haven't kept a clean sheet yet, um, and there was that stat doing around that we I think we faced nine shots on target and conceded five goals. Um, the underlying metrics look better. Obviously, small sample size and three of those four games have been against teams who don't really want to attack us much. Um, but yeah, I think I think um, it's been a really encouraging couple of games for Lotta because um, she really struggled in, in that Champions League game against Paris in particular. But I think she stepped up and I think her versatility has been, been really important as well because we've seen her play left centre-back against uh, against Villa and then play on the right side against Bristol City and also uh, swap sides during the game against uh, Villa as well. Um, so yeah, I, I would definitely agree that she's been our most consistent defender so far. Yeah, and and she's an interesting player as well. Um, in the uh, obviously, Seb, you and I have spoken a few times about the the centre back partnership that we had last season between Leah Williamson and Raffaele. Uh and at times it feels like Lotta almost goes under the radar because of how good a partnership that was. But yeah, I mean, she's she's getting a chance to feature more regularly so far this season. Um, and what what is it that's really made her stand out to to you? Um, I, I think a few things. Like, first of all, and probably most important is that she's the one who's most familiar with uh, Jonas' system and the general idea of how Arsenal want to play. That's number one. Um, she's also she has a really good athletic body. She's quite big. She has a physical presence to her that definitely helps her in duels. 
Um, what's always gone on the radar, in my opinion, is that she's actually really, really good on the ball. Broke lines against Villa constantly and pr- helped really push up territory when when we were pushing forward. So she she's really well rounded and she she has a lot of different assets to her. She's n- quite quick as well. So um, my hunch was always that she was going to probably be the one that would play the most minutes out of the four centre backs. Probably with uh, Illestad, who has uh, been hit or miss so far this season. But, um, yeah. Yeah, and actually, uh, because you, you mentioned Illestad, I'll come back to come back to you here. Obviously, um, Arsenal, even with Leah Williamson out, have a few different options. Uh, Amanda Illestad and Laia Codina both having arrived in the summer. Um, and also... It's interesting that we've we've seen at times uh, Katie McCabe in games go to left back, Steph Catley move inside to play as the left centre back. Um, so there there are some interesting uh, squad dynamics there. What's kind of caught your eye is either like a positive or, or negative with those players so far. I think Ilstedt's been solid enough. Um, I think she does have a bit of an issue with mom, uh, mobility. She's probably the least athletic of the three apart from uh Jen Beattie, who's exclusively now being played at central center back specifically for that reason um but but I think she's been fine enough uh Kodina was good in spurts against Bristol again someone who is really good at breaking lines with a passing really good uh distribution there and I, I think she's been good at, even though there's some some rust, I think, in her still, and some some simple mistakes coming through her game uh, every now and then. And then Catley is a really interesting one because she's been the one who's moved around the most, even more so than than Woman Moy, uh, with playing uh, as a wing back, as a left back, and then coming in situationally as the uh, as a centre back. Uh, her profile specifically is probably the most valuable to Arsenal at the moment, uh, considering a her being able to play different roles when playing at left back, coming inside more and playing a more reserved role, as well as going up and becoming a fifth member of the attacking line. Um, and just having her in the squad as someone who can very, very capably fill up a centre-back role while being left-footed, which is a profile we don't have in the squad otherwise. So that's probably her most important quality at the moment when playing there. Um, but generally, her versatility is key at the moment, yeah. Yes. And uh, Max, coming to you, of the uh, of the two defensive arrivals this summer, Laia Kadina's, I think the one we've seen more of. Do you have any any specific thoughts on what you've seen from her as a player so far? So yeah, I mean, the Bristol City game um, was an interesting one with regards to Kadina because I think on the whole, like um, I think she was pretty good, pretty comfortable on the ball, and I think again just letting us play that play that high line, just good at sniffing out any danger. Um, I mean, people will probably ask questions of her on the goal. Um, she kind of gets caught on her heels a bit. Um, but, I mean, I do think it's, it's a really good ball in and a really good header from Furness as well. I mean, I think, obviously, that, that left centre-back position is going to be, you know, a, a player of half his quality leaving is, is going to be a problem for any team. And when you add into that the fact that left-footed centre-halves in women's football are such a rare commodity, um, I think it's it's kind of going to be difficult for anyone coming in. But I think I think from what we've seen of her so far, um, I think she's been good. Um, and probably, you know, if we're thinking more in the long term, maybe the, the most natural successor to her fairly in that position. But yeah, um, I agree. I agree with Seb in terms of... Um, Steph Gatley being a really valuable commodity to this team. And I'd also add, um, I think, with regards to game state, she can be quite important. I mean, we saw against Villa when we were trying to get more attacking players on, when you can move Katie back to left-back and then push Catley inside. I think that that's quite a good thing if if you are chasing the game and just kind of wanting to get more offensive players on the pitch. But yeah, um, I think I think, um, I think of the two... New arrivals, I'd say I've been more impressed with uh, Kadina than I have been uh, by Elistair. I thought I thought she was quite poor at Elistair against Villa, to be honest with you. Um, 
I mean, on the goal, um, she gets completely caught out. Um, and the ball goes over and it's a free header for Pacheco. And um, I thought there were a couple of times on the ball where she was just trying to force the issue a bit. And there were, there were a few times where she just sort of passed the ball straight out of play. And again, like the more she plays, the more she'll she'll get used to, to teammates' movements and stuff. And I'm sure she'll sort of tighten up that passing radar a bit. But um, yeah, I think I think uh, going back to Kadena, I think it's been a, a steady start for her so far. You mentioned earlier that Arsenal's defence has had something of a of a shaky start. Uh, in my notes here, I've written "Let's concede fewer goals." That's my that's my note for this section. Um, how obviously you mentioned kind of sample size, but how how concerned are you with the the start to the season defensively? Um, and yeah, how optimistic are you that things will get better? <laughs> yeah, um, I think that's a good tactic. Don't concede goals. I think if someone could tell that tell that to Jonas, I think we'd be we'd have a really <laughs> good chance of it out. But um, no, I think um, obviously th- there was a lot of focus on the defence going into the season, naturally, because not just lost later injury, but obviously we lost half Ali, and so I think everyone was kind of bracing themselves for a difficult season in that regard when you know, that was one area where we were strong last season. Um, yeah, you look at some of the goals we conceded and the United game in particular, two really poor goals. I mean, one of those is, is really on the goalkeeper more than the defence. Um but I do think we've there is just a bit of bad luck in there as well. Um, yeah, to go, to go back to that stat, nine shots on targets faced, five goals conceded. That's not going to continue over the course of the season, or you certainly hope not. Um, and I think um, our our XG against is actually um, the the lowest in the league, um, and we've allowed the fewest shots uh, shots on goal and shots on target. So. Obviously, that part of that is due to who we've played. I mean, Bristol City weren't <laughs> trying to attack, really. I think, uh, yeah, they had, they had one shot in the game and, and that was their only touch in the box. Um, so, obviously, that's going to skew those stats a little bit. Um, but I think, sort of, structurally, it's not been too bad. Um, I think we've been very good at, at sort of penning teams in um, and, um, yeah, being sort of camped in the opposition's final third Obviously, against different opposition, that's you know you're not going to be able to do that against Manchester City, for example. Um, so it's a tricky one to assess, but I don't think it's been as bad as people have made out. Um, and I think it's almost one of those where it's in people's minds before the season starts, and as soon as we concede goals, people are going to are going to talk about the defence. Um, I think in terms of yeah, in terms of like the goal we conceded at the weekend, I think to be honest, you have got to credit the opposition there. Um, I mean, yeah, any goal you can see involves some sort of mistake, but I think it was it was a really um really good cross and a good header. And I thought the the full goal was actually um a well worked move, um, even though you might question your goalkeeper a bit. So yeah, I think, you know, it's um, we're not gonna be as tight defensively as we were last season. And then I think there's also a discussion to be had about about the goalkeepers and it's no secret obviously that that's something We've tried to address um, with those rooms of, of uh, a couple of bids for Mary Earps. Um, so I suppose that's just something we're going to have to uh, contend with. But I wouldn't be, yeah, I, I wouldn't be as sort of down on this as a lot of people are, even if the situation is obviously far from ideal and very unusual that you lose both centre backs. And also can't really, in the long term, plan for Leah's absence because you know she's she's coming back eventually. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And obviously, you mentioned uh, you mentioned goalkeepers there. Uh, obviously, um, Zinsberger is back in the team. We've still conceded what feel like quite easy goals. Um, but Seb, do you do you share Max's optimism that uh, that things will improve as we as we go forward? Yeah, I definitely think so. Right, like we have when when you look at goals conceded, you should. Uh, look at how often your structure gets broken by the opposition and how often they play through you. That hasn't really happened much. Even the goals we conceded against United, individual errors where the structure as a whole seemed sound, second goal less so than the first one, uh, which was genuinely just an individual error that nine times out of ten is a ball out of play and reset and uh, settled defense. 
so from that point of view, I'm I'm not concerned that much um, about the defensive record as of now. Really like to see how that goes against uh, City. Though I do think we did quite well against United when coming up against a better team. And as far as the goalkeeper is concerned, I think since Berger, since coming back uh, post-United, hasn't really done much wrong. Again, the the Liverpool, uh, not Liverpool, the the Bristol game, you can't really fault her for that goal. That was a really, really well-placed header that she can't really do much about. Um, we know why she's in the team. It's basically because of her on-ball ability and the way she can sustain pressure that way against teams that sit uh, back more, which was the reason why um, D'Angelo was in for the United game. So, yeah, that that's pretty much where I'm at at the moment. Nice. Um, in the in the second half, we'll get on to breaking down five four ones in a bit more detail. But just before that, um, we have had the return of Beth Mead and Fifiana Miedemar, or Miedemar, if you want to portmanteau them. That works better written than it does uh, spoken yeah. aloud. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's. Uh, it's just it's great both from a football point of view and also a vibe point of view um every i'm sure every arsenal fan will be aware that last season was just kind of horrible in terms of like it sapped your it sapped all the energy when like every week a player seemed to be going down with an acl um but now we've got the inverse of that we've got players coming back from an acl every week uh and yeah i mean max my question really is just uh it's not even a question. It's just a statement. It feels it feels really good. It's nice to see. Absolutely, yeah, and um, yeah. Just to hone in on that that vibes sort of point. Um, uh, again, being at the Emirates um, for that Villa game, obviously there was um, as you imagine, there was a lot of tension in the crowd. Uh, I'm sure that kind of came across on TV as well. A lot of nervousness, being one or down. Um, but that moment when Beth came on really ignited the crowd as much as it did the team, I think, um, and just sort of gave everyone this big boost where suddenly, just for a few seconds, the, the fact that we were seemingly spiralling towards a crisis-like start to the season was forgotten because obviously huge moment for Beth being the first of the, the ACL crew, if you like, to, um, to return. Um, and so, yeah, I think just sort of away from uh, what's going on in the pitch. Just just a really nice moment um, for her to come back and then obviously for Viv the following weekend. Um, Jonas, uh, before the start of the season, spoke about this sort of reversing effect where obviously last season we seem to be losing players every other week to injury and now we've actually, we're actually in a situation where our squad is extremely deep and... Yeah, having having these players coming back, um, really nice moment for them. And even you could see uh, after the Villa game, um, like uh, Leo Williamson and Beth Mead sharing a little moment, and Vin um, Reuter as well. Um, so yeah, just a nice sort of uh, uh, end to a, a pretty what was a series of pretty difficult moments last season uh, with regards to the injuries. Yes. That's right. And um, also, obviously, from a from a footballing point of view, it's quite nice as well. Um, Beth set up Alessia Russo for the, the winner against Villa. And then Viv almost, uh, almost did the same uh, for Beth against uh, Bristol City. And, and the fun thing is, we've spoken a lot about tactical flexibility, Seb. Um, Viv and Beth just give you two more really, really good options in your toolbox. Yeah, definitely. Um, the the best thing about the returns, apart from the very, very big emotional outpour, that is justifiable. I mean, these aren't just any two players coming back from injury. These are players that have been here for years and that probably everyone who's watching Arsenal Women has formed some sort of really close emotional attachment to. Um, but, but what really stood out was how engaged they were from the moment they came on. They didn't look like players that were just coming back from eight months without any football. They were immediately engaged and 
just resemble the players they were before we lost them. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how we fit those into the the new core of Arsenal players that have returned. Um, the interesting thing with uh, with Viv and and me together is that they were on the pitch for four minutes, and you could immediately see that there's a, an almost intrinsic connection between the two of understanding where they where each other move and so on. So that's something we can build on and. That's something that it that creates attacking dynamism in and of itself because they understand each other so well. So that's even outside of the system uh, a benefit we we get from it. Um, another thing that I'm really looking forward to is um, we're going to speak about Russo and and her play uh, over the start of the season in a bit, but her uh, dropping and connective play together with Viv in the ten is something I'd really like to see soon. Um, I think that combination has has really good uh potential to to create really nice uh sequences there yes yeah that is exciting and actually just speaking about those two um i'm going to come back to you seb uh because you get you get a vibes question as well it was just really nice <laughs> seeing the substitution of russo coming off for viv because it's just like you're taking off like one star striker and bringing on another. It's just like, it's just really cool to see that Arsenal Football Club can do that. Yeah, I mean, whether you classify Viv as a nine anymore is a, is another question. Uh, but you're you're bringing back the face of the club for the past six years or so, uh, coming off from the player who's been the statement signing of the summer, the the sort of new era big player that's coming in so having those two together just feels really really good i must say uh and their performances just back it up yeah 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 absolutely that's it for part one of this this podcast listener you enjoy this sweet jazzy jingle and we'll be back in a moment and we're back i hope you enjoyed that break listener we sure did and Moving on, we will now be discussing breaking down a 5-4-1. That's something that Arsenal have had to do quite a lot in recent games. Um, obviously, there are different types of 5-4-1, but in general, something Arsenal have to do a lot is break down a deep set defence who are looking to make the game as stodgy as possible. Uh and it's not something Arsenal have looked great at so far. Uh, Seb, I have a bullet point here that says crosses with four exclamation marks next to it, uh, which is probably a good place for us to start off. I uh, don't know if you want to get the ball rolling with your thoughts. Yeah, I'm, I mean, everyone who's watched the game so far will realize the uh, just the sheer amount of crosses we're putting into the box, which... Uh, doesn't necessarily yield much or hasn't yielded much. Uh, but I think that the larger point here is going back to why we do that. Uh, and I think a lot of that has to do with how we set up and which profiles we use uh, when we're playing and which profiles have been on the pitch so far. Um, it was especially noticeable against Villa and to a certain extent against Bristol where we had a lot of players who want to get into the box early, who want to crash the box, who want to get in behind. Um, and not necessarily a lot of players who want the ball to feed and and create something from there. Um, as Frida Manum is someone who who falls under that category, who whose primary instance is crashing the box, releasing some shots from from outside the box, but generally not someone who's great at picking locks and and creating stuff uh, around the box, which was the main area of territory we had uh, in those games. Uh, so that leads us to to just defaulting to getting the ball into the box. There's also a few players who who have the temperament of crossing early, like Catley is someone who who's gonna release the cross when she when she has the opportunity, even when when the team isn't quite set up uh to deal with that yet. Um so, so those are just a few issues we have there. Uh against Villa that that was really improved once we had uh, Pelova coming onto the pitch. Someone who can pick up the ball deeper, who can drive with it, who can gain territory that way, but also someone who's really cute in her play around the box and, and can create danger there. Uh, Mead's also another one um, who, who did solve that issue to an extent. Uh, Viv's probably going to be another. 
so having those players who, who can maneuver more and combine more around the box together with a striker who can link the play like uh, Russo, th- those things are going to create more danger and solve some of those issues. Um, but otherwise, yeah, th- those were just the sort of few things that I realized from, from those games, yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, that's that's a very good point about the profiles of players. And I think, <clears throat> as you mentioned, um, against Villa specifically, I thought it was quite evident the difference between playing Malnum as the as the 10 and and playing Pullover, uh, who, as you said, is is a lot more comfortable, uh, not necessarily like trying to get a shot off or get into the box, but trying to find an opportunity to play someone else in uh, or trying to find an opportunity to create space. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting because we've spoken before about the depth in the squad giving us um, flexibility or like tactical versatility where we have different tools to do different things. Um, but I, I mean, I guess Max, the, the flip side is that um, now it's about finding the right balance uh, every time of obviously having players who provide goal threat, but then at the flip side, having players who get the ball to the players who provide goal threat. Uh, and that's probably going to be a theme that we see throughout the season. Yeah, I think a lot of it will come down to a sort of like horses for courses approach in terms of in terms of who we're playing. Um Obviously, in three of the four games so far, we've, we've played teams who are happy to sit deep. Um, and I mean, if you going back to the point on crossing, um, because I, there's not been enough discourse on crossing with Arsenal last week, <laughs> uh, we we have the most we uh, put in by far the most crosses in the league with 141, um, but we only managed 16. Jesus Christ! In, yeah, uh, <laughs> but we only managed 16 against United. So obviously, there is there is an element of doing this against teams in low box obviously you have to ask questions of why we are sort of defaulting to that um as said alluded to it's not really it doesn't really seem to be a, a discernible strategy it just seems to be you know whack it in the mixer and see what happens um but um yeah going back to uh to different profiles i think someone like freeman um is going to struggle in games like that where it's it's about breaking down a team that's just happy to sit deep uh, I think she's at her best reader in um, when uh, play is a bit more broken. If it becomes a bit more, bit more of a transitional game, um, and that's something we might might come on to later in terms of uh, when we discuss the Man City game. Um, so I think, yeah, I think having someone having these options in midfield, having someone like Victoria Pulova, who's probably going to be better at, at unpicking a defence, um, is. Yeah, that's something we've got to use going forward. I mean, another midfielder we haven't even spoken about yet is Kyra Cooney-Cross, um, who I'm sure with her, it's, uh, the fact is it's going to be hard to displace uh, Kim Little and Leavati in the team straight away. Um, but yeah, I think last season it was in a way simplified for Jonas because the players he had to choose from were whichever ones were available and they played. Uh, now we've got the complete opposite of that. Um, I mean, if you look at the front line, for example... Um, Got like two players in each position, Mead and Lacasse on the right, Ford and Hurtig on the left, and then through the middle, Steiner and Russo, and then you've got obviously Viv, who could be 10 centre forward. So that's, I think that's just something we're going to have to sort of learn as the season goes on, um, how to use these players better. Um, I think in terms of the forwards, it's particularly interesting. Um, going back to the Villa game, what seemed to work quite well was uh, Russo and, and Stina, but Stina's playing together um, because we know, obviously, Russo likes to drop deep anyway and link the play. So having um, a sort of more traditional number nine, if you like, who's, who's going to attack the box, that could w- work quite well in tandem. And, and then Jonas spoke uh, last week about how uh, he wanted to use uh, Russo and Minamar together um, when when Vib's back fit properly. So again, that's something we can use, and maybe that will help um, to to break down uh, low blocks. But yeah, he's got a sort of um, a plethora of tools, and he's just got to find out um, 
how to use them best. And obviously, with with my Champions League as well, he's got a task on his hands. Uh, to be honest, to to keep every every member of of the squad happy, and that's maybe the one advantage of being in the group stage of the Conti Cup is having those games where you can give minutes to other players. But yeah, um, broadly speaking, I think um, we can be. I mean, we were a flexible team last season. If you looked at you know different formations we played, and I think we can continue to be flexible this year with with the different profiles we have available to us. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Uh... Grounds for grounds for optimism there, Seb. How how optimistic are you that things will things will improve uh, as as Jonas gets to grip with the with balancing the various profiles of attacking players he has? Mm, I think I'm quite comfortable there, especially because we've seen quite a few things that work together. Um, uh, Max just pointed them out, like Russo and Plexinius playing together is a, is a really nice dynamic. Uh, Russo and Miedema, especially against deep blocks will be something that will be quite helpful to us. Uh, the wingers have all been pretty good so far. Uh, McCabe, especially when playing on the wing, has been excellent there. Uh, so I, I think we, we, we will find more more balance there. And uh, now especially there's going to be a few games where there's going to be more space for us to attack into. And those issues that we had in these three games, specifically Liverpool, uh, Bristol and Villa, won't be as much of an issue. Uh, so that that will resolve some of those issues in and of itself. Yes, and I mean, I would also argue, and Max, you can tell me if you disagree with this, I would also argue that football is as simple as give the ball to Katie McCabe and wait for her to score. <laughs> yeah, again, um, a bit like um, don't concede goals, I think that's another um, top-tier <laughs> bit of tactical analysis, I'm sure, the... Uh, that this pod is renowned for and will be renowned for. Um, yeah, I mean, it's helpful to have someone who is, uh, you know, if, I think if you look up the definition of clutch player in a dictionary, it's just a basically a big image of Katie McCabe. So, um, yeah. Yes. Um, the mind will always wander to the City game last year, uh, ju- just on that, where she scored with a bloody boot from the injury she picked up three days earlier. So that, that's pretty much the <laughs> perfect description of Katie McCabe. Yes. Yeah, that, that is that is iconic. Um, we have already spoken about, obviously, Victor, Victoria Pulova um, quite a bit. I think an interesting thing that, that stood out to us, um, and I think, Seb, something you want to discuss some more, is the way we set up against uh, Bristol City. Um, where we saw Leah Velti, Kim Little and Victoria Pulova all on the team sheet. And I think most people would have assumed that it was the two sixes who we're used to seeing together and then Pulova ahead. Um, but it actually wasn't. Uh, so why don't you why don't you tell us what happened there and, and your thoughts about about what happened there? Yeah. Uh, so, so I think generally, just uh, quickly, one of the things that stood out was that yeah, we played against three different forms of uh, four, five, four, one. Uh, the Bristol one is by far the most uh, defensive orientated one of the three we played. Like the spaces between the lines were nigh on not uh, not present. Uh, so so that's something to keep in mind. Uh, so what we did basically was um, in the middle third, uh, in second phase play when when we build out, uh, we basically play with two eights and one six with. Uh, Leo Valti dropping in and uh, both Kim Little and Pilova moving into the their respective half spaces just to simply create uh, avenues where we can play com- uh, where we can combine with the wingers and the fullbacks to create dynamism that way to get onto the wings. Um, and once we're in the final third, uh, the interesting thing was that Pilova was basically playing as the second pivot, and Kim pushed up into the ten role and basically played as a second striker into the box. Um, and my theory on why that happened was largely down to Vic Pilova. And with the way Bristol set up, being that deep, uh, we wanted one extra player in the box for crossing situations and attacking situations to, to have ample personnel there. So we wanted that to happen while also not having Pilova be that person just so she can actually receive the ball outside of the box and make things happen. The interesting thing here is profiling Kim Little as the one to do that. And I think largely that's down to two things. One is just her intelligence in 
uh, picking up second balls and dueling, winning back possession in the counter press. That's one. Uh, so having her and Russo as the first two people to to engage in the counter press, and the other one is just simply a um, a conscious decision on Jonas's part, I think, to in in a part of the season where we are still struggling with familiarity to have at least some players on the pitch that are constantly there and are familiar with the system. So that's part of the reason why I think Little and Valti are probably the ones that are going to be constantly on the team sheet and afforded to be there, uh, which was similar to the Manchester United game where we had uh, Pilova deep and Kim Little high. That position could have probably been filled by someone else, but it's just... I think partly as simple as having Kim Little as the captain on the pitch currently. Uh, but otherwise, the dynamics uh, were game-specific, I think, to breaking down the uh, Bristol City block. And I think we're actually quite well thought out, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely interesting. And as you mentioned, um, it's somewhat similar to what we saw against United. Obviously, against United, we set up with a, with a, a back three, so it was slightly different. Kim was playing as... I guess as like a in that game she was Left kind of like ten. Yeah, I was I was thinking narrow wide ten. <laughs> <laughs> but um I mean it, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting change in the in the in the dynamics there. Max, do you think we we might see more of this or we might see um Pullover playing deeper rather than say as a ten throughout the season? If you go back to um when she arrived at Arsenal, she seems to sort of slowly be uh, moving further and further um, back down the pitch. Obviously, started out playing playing on on the left wing, and then towards the end of the last season, we saw her play as a bit in, as a number ten. And there, there were times last season, I seem to recall, where she was playing um, just in a, in a two when we were playing uh, back three. Um, so yeah, I think that is something um, we could see. For all her technical ability, she is, I think, one thing that stands out is her tenacity. Um, and we saw that for the equalising goal against Aston Villa, um, where she wins the ball back and then uh, goes on to provide the assist um, for Katie McCabe. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that is an option for Arsenal. Um, I think, like with central defence, where we have players who can play in, on both sides, I think in, in midfield we have... A decent amount of um, versatility. I mean, even even in the in the Bristol City game, obviously Seb uh, mentioned Kim's position, uh, but then when when um, when Pulover was replaced by Monum, we saw uh, Kim dropping a bit deeper and, and Monum pushing on as well. So, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think that is a role suited um, to Pulover. Um, and uh, yeah, I think one of the luxuries we have this season is we have a lot of players comfortable um, performing different roles. Yes. Yeah. And it's, um, we often speak about kind of the versatility that we have in terms of kind of the forwards, but that's also, that's also really interesting in midfield, especially considering that we haven't even seen Cooney cross yet, which I'm very excited for. Um, And while we're, while we're talking about individuals, uh, I think this is going to very quickly become a, tradition on this podcast that i just let seb speak about alessia russo for a few minutes uh and what he loves about her this episode i mean i think everyone was excited when when the transfer was announced and i certainly was but i don't think i even realized just the base level of performance she puts in every game i've seen some stuff on on the dreaded elon musk platform about her only having scored one goal so far in the league this season, but her base level of, of performances throughout every game this season has been among the best in the team. The way she connects play, drops deep, immediately gets uh, spins around, gets back into the box, connects there really well. She's a great dual winner. Her physicality is immense, picking up second balls. There's just so much to like about her. She's essentially everything a centre-forward can be. Uh, in an Arsenal team and doing that at an extremely high standard. Yes, yeah, I thought, uh, I mean, at the risk of just kind of us talking about how good Alessia Russo is for five minutes again, (laughs) 
Uh, I just I really enjoyed the performance against Bristol City. As you like, the connected play is just so good. She's so good at dropping, finding a teammate, going over and over and over again. Uh, and beca- I mean, because the two of us do this, Max, you also get a chance to just talk about how much you like Alessia Russo. Brilliant. Um, yeah, I mean, like Seb said, like you've both been saying, um, what stands out immediately is is her ability to to, to drop off that forward line and drop deep, connect the play. And like, it's not just her awareness in the way she does that, but every pass she plays, even every touch she takes, it, you know, really crisp and like just brings a really high sort of technical standard um, to that forward line. The physicality as well. I mean, there was one point in the Villa game where she just held off a few players and just charged forward. Um, it was near the start of the second half. And just sort of having having that sort of capacity in her, um, yeah, it, it opens up like so many new dynamics for the team. I think there's, there's aspects of the game we haven't even seen that much yet, like her ability to, to run the channels if she needs to. Um, and her, her ability in the box... Again, not really something we've we've seen the best of yet, but we had glimpses of it. If you go back to the United game uh, with that turn and shot that hit the bar, um, I was actually looking um, at the numbers, and she only had one shot against um, Bristol City, which kind of shows you. I mean, for all the brilliant work she's doing outside the box, there is also a kind of uh, another level to her game that can be utilised uh, when when she's getting more service inside the box. And I, I wouldn't say it's. I wouldn't make it like a criticism of her that um, that she did only have one shot in that game because I think, to be honest with you, the the, the supply into her was coming outside the box, and, and you know, we against a pack defence like that, um, we were struggling to to uh, give give service to her inside the box. Um, but I think, yeah, um, really, really encouraging start, and you can see immediately the ability she has, and I think there'll be even more to come from her. Yeah, I agree. And now, sadly, we have to move on from Alessia Russo to talk about other things again. Um, and I, I mean, it's funny because the the next game that we we have is City away. So to an extent, everything we've discussed so far isn't that relevant to that game, really. But it is a very big game. Um, with the start we've had to the season, we kind of need to kind of need to put in a big performance. Uh, how how confident are you ahead of this game, Seb? I don't know how comfortable uh, how confident I am before the game. Um, City have been really good so far this season. They deserve to win all their games so far, and that included a game against Chelsea, where the, the only reason they didn't end up go- getting out of uh, getting three points out of that is because one of the most farcical uh, double yellow cards I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, <laughs> They've also added a familiar face in someone who's uh, got a concerning track record of scoring against us in Jill Ward. Um, so, so they're going to really pose a threat, um, which means our general disposition is probably going to be a lot different to the one we've seen so far. And that'll probably mean some different players coming to the forefront and playing important roles. Yes, that's right. Max, do you think we will return to the back three in this game? Um, yeah, it, this is going to be an interesting one. I mean, it worked well. Um, we actually beat City twice with a back three last season, um, not just in the, the league, but in the semi-final of the Conti Cup. So I wonder if if that will, will play a part in Jonas's thinking. Obviously, we, we played with a back three against United and Moritz was available for that game. So that was, you'd imagine, more of a, a tactical choice rather than out of necessity like it was against Liverpool. Um... This is the, the tricky thing, I think, with the WSL is because the sort of, um, even though the gap in quality is closed between teams, because some of the games you're going to play are so vastly different from the one you might play next week. Um, on the one hand, you could say, oh, it's really encouraging that you know we played a back four against against Villa and Bristol City, played high line and, and, and were able to dominate in the final third. I think it's unrealistic to, <laughs> to expect something like that against, against Manchester City. Um, so yeah, it might just be he he might um just be looking for that extra layer of of security. I mean, personally, I'm not convinced by uh this idea of only switching to a back three for big games. Um, I think if, if 
the players know the system well, which I think to be fair, they do. We played it a fair amount last season. It can work. And I know, like to, to go off on a little bit of a tangent on the men's game, it was interesting listening to Thomas Frank on Monday Night Football a few weeks ago where he was saying how uh, at Brentford we always play about four, but go to a back three uh, when we're playing the sort of big six, if you like. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that, it's an interesting argument in itself in terms of um, whether you want to go to a three or four. Um, I, I guess going off what we've done historically, uh, the, the safe money would be on a back three. Um, whether that's the right decision is another story. Yes, aside from formations, um, we've already spoken about the different profiles we have in the squad quite a bit. Um, and this is, as you say, uh, a game which will be quite different in tone to most of the games we've had so far. Seb, are there any specific players that you think might come into the team um, because of the the different nature of this game? I think so, yeah. Uh, I agree with Max that I think the safe money will be on the back three coming in here. Uh, one, just having the extra defender in when, when we're in settled possession. Uh, we, we look quite well when we're in that 5-2-3 defensive block, uh, stifling teams in build-up. And City are one of those teams that, that you can cause problems with there because they're re- relatively wedded to, to playing it out from the back and have a pretty similar disposition to the teams that will struggle in those in those instances. Um, as well as just Jonas's uh, general disposition of being comfortable with going a lot more direct and vertical when playing against better teams. Um, so I think that'll play a part in it, which is part of the reason I'm kind of expecting D'Angelo to start uh, in goal. Uh, together with um, Steph Catley, probably either Jen Beattie or uh, Illestad uh, and uh, Lotte Wolven Moy, Wingbacks, McCabe and uh, Noah Maritz, uh, Little, uh, Valti. I think uh, Marnham's probably one that'll come in for this game. Her physicality in pressing up front and also more direct play is going to be interesting. Um, I thought about maybe Stina playing in this game again, just to have a channel runner that's able to 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 facilitate a more direct play. But then again, Russo is able to do some of those things that that Stina can do, and having her as backup and someone who we can bring on later on in the game and to to create a different dimension of threat would also be something we could go for. But I th- I think I'm most settled on um, D'Angelo and and Marnum being too that. I, I'd quite expect uh, to play there this game. Nice. Okay, and Max, do you do you have anything to add ahead of the City game? Well, I, I completely agree with Seb, to be honest with you. Um, so, I mean, yeah, Jonas's reference before how playing Sabrina allows us to go longer and add that dimension to our game. Um, and yeah, um, as mentioned before, maybe Frida in a game where you're not going to be counting the opposition's final third, I think, and you're not looking to like unpick a defence, as it were, that's probably going to suit her game a bit more. Um, I think the Steen is a really interesting one, actually. Um, I think there's maybe a longer discussion to be had there about how we use her this season. Um, Jonas has always been quite big on talking about sort of starters and finishers, and um, in... She's, in the two games she didn't start this season, she came on. Sorry, in the three games she didn't start this season, she came on in two of them. Um, so, I, th- I think if it weren't for the fact that Russo was playing so well, that that would be an interesting option. I, I guess the smart money would probably be on, on Russo starting. Um, but um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the dynamic of the game is going to be completely different, and I think we will see changes, um, as Seb has alluded to, that will reflect that. Yes. Yeah, that, that's interesting on Black Stenius. I think that's something Seb and I have discussed before, that she's quite an interesting option to have tactically um, to bring on later on in games, if a game's stretched or you know when a, when a defence is quite tired. I mean, also, do you think there's a chance we'll see Chloe Lacasse in this game, Seb? I'm not sure. I feel like she's probably the one that's suffering most from, from Beth Mead being back. Um, considering they're playing in basically the same areas on the pitch. 
Uh, I don't expect either to start, uh, considering we're probably going to go back three and Monum's uh, going to be on that right side with probably Ford on the left side. And I reckon if if somebody comes in there throughout the game, that's going to be more Beth than uh, than Chloe Lacasia. Yeah, Max, just to just to come to you finally, you are going to the City game, which is our first Meadow Park game of the season. Just how big uh, is this game? We know the margins at the top of the WSL are tend to be really fine historically. Teams that want to do well in the WSL can't really drop many points during a season uh, and Arsenal unfortunately already have so how important is this game for the season yeah um I think you've hit the nail on the head there um with regards to the margins um Chelsea last season when they won the league they only dropped eight points and United missed out dropping only 10 and we've already dropped five so the uh the bar's pretty high for us um and as well looking at um, head-to-head games between teams you're competing with. Obviously, last season, not not in terms of the title, but we were competing with Manchester City for for the top three, uh, which should have been enough for a Champions League spot, and sadly wasn't. But um, obviously, that, that win we had against City at Meadow Park was the difference between us coming third rather than fourth. So, um, yeah, it's hard to sort of overstate how important a game this is um, for a number of reasons. Um, as you mentioned, it's our first game back at at Meadow Park this season um, because obviously we're in this process now of slowly moving to the Emirates in the long term, playing more and more games there. Um, but we made Meadow Park a real fortress last year. The only game we failed to win the league was the final game against Villa, which was basically a dead rubber. Um, otherwise, we won all our Meadow Park games last season. Um, and I think if anyone who's been to Meadow Park will know it's it's you know a proper traditional non-league ground, very tight to the pitch. Um, standing at both ends as well and it can kind of when we get on top of a team there it can that atmosphere can play a big part in this shifting momentum and I think as much as this is primarily a tactics part I, I do think if we're going to beat City there's just going to be need to be a little bit of sort of magical Meadow Park vibes basically um, so yeah um, huge game and not only because our record, our record against uh, Chelsea, United, City last season was really poor. City are the only team who we, who we do actually have a decent recent record against at home. And so I think this is a chance for Arsenal to make a little bit of a statement. Um, hopefully in a positive way, <laughs> not a negative way. But um, I don't know if you... I mean, that's that's a question. That's more of a football cliche question. Can it be making a statement if you lose? Um, <laughs> that's a question for another time. But um, yeah, um, massively important game. And... Um, Fingers crossed we're um, talking about a win in a few weeks' time. Yes, that would be nice. And don't worry, while this is a tactics pod, this is also very much a vibes pod. And if Alex Towles wants to change that, he's going to have to find me first. (laughs) (laughs) That's it for this episode, Max. Thank you for joining us. I hope you had fun. Is there anything you would like to plug? Um, well, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, it's a pleasure. And um, yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at um, Max underscore Rads. So that's last part spelled R-A-D-S. Um, and I also have um, a Substack, which um, I kind of, again, I kind of update it based on vibes. It's no, <laughs> no real structure to it, but uh, right a bit here and there about, about Arsenal women, a little bit about Arsenal men as well, but more focused towards the women uh and you can find that on my twitter profile or directly you can follow the link uh which and it's called whatever the weather uh which definitely isn't ripping off a certain <laughs> song uh, that rings around the emirates um and yeah you can find that at whateverthewever.substack.com uh and it's useful for you to subscribe because elon musk has an unfortunate habit of killing <laughs> links that you post on uh twitter or whatever it's called (laughs) these days uh but that's a conversation for another time uh seb as always thank you for joining me thank you sir the links to all of our socials as well as the pot shot socials will be in the show notes 
if you enjoyed this, rate and review us on your podcast provider of choice. Uh, we will be back after the Leicester City game. The music for this episode was composed by James Blake, who you can find at JW Blake on Spotify. Uh, listener, most of all, thank you for joining us and go well. <laughs>